for anyone who has any sort of website idea or entrepreneurial idea is to go for it and search around and see if the domain names exist. And if they do, buy them. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Joining us today is our guest co-host, Jimmy Burgess from BeMoreUniversity.com. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And of course, our official co-host joining us from Maui, Hawaii, Aloha, Kamanzi Constable. Aloha, Jared. I always enjoy chatting with you. Well, thank you. I I normally introduce our guest today, but Kamazi, because you're the official host or co-host, I was wondering, would you be willing to introduce Stephanie? Oh, today? man. Did I just get a promotion? I think so. <laughs> let's, 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 I think only you can do this introduction the right way. So. Okay. Yeah. So Stephanie O'Day is a New York <laughs> Times bestselling author, which Jared and I are jealous of, by the way. She's a slow cooking expert and a mom to three. She's the author of 365 Slow Cooker Suppers, Totally Together, Shortcuts to an Organized Life, and Make It Fast, Cook It Slow Cookbooks. Her newest book, The Mommy Blogger Next Door, is now available. And we are so excited to talk to you, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, Stephanie. So this will be a different question maybe you haven't had before, but it's one we always use to kick off the show. What's the best concert that you have ever been to? You know, I knew you were going to ask this, and I'm slightly embarrassed by it, but I don't go to many concerts. And honestly, the last one I went to was in 1994, and it was Pink Floyd. And I left AP physics class (laughs) to go to this concert, and I ended up scratching my retina. So I spent the entire evening with my eyes closed. (laughs) Oh, wow. That said... I got to marry my boyfriend, so that's wonderful. And um, <laughs> and that was our last concert, unless like you count Disney on Ice and the Wiggles and all of the stuff that we do for the kids. No, we love those. <laughs> Jared, should we ask what Jimmy's favorite concert is? Well, I think we already know it's Taylor Swift, uh, right, Jimmy? Stop. No way. No way. There you go. <laughs> Why don't we move on to true or false? Fair enough. Okay. True or false, uh, Stephanie, you have to sell 10,000 books in one week to become a New York Times bestselling author. I don't think that's true. I think that's false. And I learned this from a podcast that James Altucher did with Steve Scott. And I believe he said that all they needed to do was sell 1,600 books, which is nothing. You've done that. I know. So I don't know. So so the New York Times came from the first cookbook and I was thrilled and I had a brand new baby at the time. So it was kind of like, wow, am I totally over the top hormonal and excited about the new baby or am I excited about the New York Times list? (laughs) I don't think the algorithm is all that hard. The trick is, is that it can't just come from Amazon. It has to come from brick and mortar stores, which is difficult if you're self-publishing. We have some questions for you a little bit later, so we will get into that. (laughs) But let's talk about something else that's pretty cool. So true or false, Stephanie, it's scary to be on Good Morning America. True to a certain extent, because the natural high that you get from live TV is something that 
I haven't experienced before. Maybe I wasn't as adventurous in college as, as some other people, but I hadn't had that feeling before. So it was super, very, way cool. And the anchors on Good Morning America, I was lucky enough to meet Diane Sawyer and George Stephanopoulos and Chris Como and Robin Roberts, is they all went out of their way to be gracious and kind and speak to me before we went on and ask if this was my favorite kind of crock pot and just make the kind of small talk that you wouldn't expect a very big, huge, ginormous celebrity to do. And it was, it was touching and it really made me feel good and happy. And then later, Robert posed for photos and the ABC photographer took one. And then Robin said, no, no, take one with her camera. So she actually gets it. And I thought, you know, just that she's right. I never got the ones that the ABC photographer took, but I've got that one of me and her. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) All right, Stephanie. So true or false, being on TV can get you a book deal. It was true for me. The first time I was on the Rachel Ray show and it aired, I was fortunate enough to have multiple cookbook offers come through. Yes, it was uh, mind boggling. And that day on Rachel Ray, my teeny tiny for free blog spot uh, blog got 42,000 hits. And in a way, I was happy that I had a blog spot because it's run by Google and Google never crashes. So some of my friends who have been on national TV, they couldn't uh, reap the rewards because their server crashed. So you mentioned Good Morning America. Let me ask you this, Stephanie. And by the way, in preparation for this, yes. I had nine bean soup out of a crock pot just before. We nice. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. That I, makes I me nervous. Ha- I should have you rattle off your beans, Jimmy. No, just to well, me. here's the bad <laughs> thing is, is it was obviously my wife was did a, did a lot of help. I kind of did the eating portion of okay. that. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, on Good Morning America. Is it true or false? George Stephanopoulos called you a slow cooking expert. He did. It was very nice of him. And, you know, he has children. And before, oh, after it aired, I think I kind of whispered to him. I said, do you have a crock pot? And he says, oh, yeah, I totally have one. And I just thought that was like a neat like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just a normal guy. (laughs) And I want to add to what Jimmy said. We also last night, I'm not going to say it's in preparation (laughs) for this, but we had tacos, slow cooker tacos. So. It's kind of a you theme. Know, there's nothing better than coming home at the end of a long work day to have dinner already fully cooked. It really is a very useful kitchen tool and one I highly, highly recommend. Regardless of what you do for a living and whether or not you work from home or out of the home, I am um, fully caffeinated and majorly coherent early in the morning. And come four or five o'clock, I'm just not. <laughs> And so, Stephanie, this is going to be the last question here in true or false. Your books generate enough income to support your family, true or false? I don't know if I would say to support my family because my husband works uber hard and is quite successful. And we live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So we definitely do need two incomes to live where we live. But it it beats teaching preschool. That's what I used to do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So in order to have continue having fun here, we're going to do finish this sentence. So finish this sentence to become a New York Times bestselling author. You have to. I think it's funny that you came back to this. (laughs) (laughs) We're not letting this go yet. (laughs) 
<laughs> We're not letting this go. <laughs> okay. All I can say is for me, um, what's important for my readers and what I think helps sell books is that I'm just a normal person and I'm not trying to be fake. And if something doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I'm honest about it and I'm helpful to my readers. So when they ask questions, I write back right away and I really try and point them in the right direction if I don't have the answers, which in turn makes them like me and trust me. So they're more likely to support me and recommend me to their friends. So Stephanie, when you made the New York Times list, was there, and this is not finished the sentence, by the way, but was there a concentrated effort that you made to hit that list or is it just all organic because you did Rachel Ray? Well, the Rachel Ray happened during the 2008 slow cooking year. And that's not when the cookbook came out. The cookbook came out in the fall of 2009. And when I hit the New York Times bestsellers list, it wasn't in the fall of 2009. It was the very beginning of 2010. And I think it was, I happened to have been in the newspaper. And I think perhaps that article was picked up in the AP wire and that helped. It was on the list for six weeks. And honestly, in the big scheme of things, it's a really neat thing. And it's neat to have that on your resume, but it's not like confetti falls from the ceiling and you've got helium balloons that you can stomp on. The world keeps on spinning and you still have to get up and give the kids breakfast. And like my grandma bunny always says, uh, well, that and a dollar will get you a cup of coffee. So it's really not, I mean, it's it's neat, but it's not the end all be all. So let me go to the next question. I'll finish the sentence then, because you you were talking about the New York Times bestselling list and and, um, all of that. So obviously, you know, you hit that. What would you say, and finish the sentence, in order to continue to have your book be relevant, what should you do? Well, I think as a content creator, you should always be creating, just constantly thinking of new ideas or different incarnations of what I think my readers might benefit from and not being afraid to revisit something you've done in the past and bring it up to date or make it more viable. And so Stephanie, finish this sentence. To get major media exposure, you must be gutsy. You got to do it. Figure out what you want to do. And if you want to be on a certain television show or in a certain magazine or newspaper, figure out who's in charge and then email them. And that's exactly what happened with the Rachel Ray show. I made a really good crumberlet in the crock pot, which was kind of mind blowing to me. And uh, it was Valentine's day of 2008 and the Rachel Ray show was playing in the background. And at the very end, it said something like, do you have a tip for Rachel or do you want to be on our show or something like that? And then in a website address. So I followed the website address and I filled out the form online And I pretty much broke all of the rules of internet etiquette. And I wrote in caps and I'm like, I am the best. I made creme brulee in the crock pot and I rock. So you should have me on your show. And it worked. And a producer called and it just all kind of came along from there. And what's funny when the producer called is I had a preschooler home with me at the time and she was fussy. She was homesick. And so the producer, her name happened to be Stephanie also. And she was so sweet. And she says, oh, oh, I can hear I can hear that the baby is fussy and uh, you must be so busy. So I'll let you go. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So I ended up (laughs) plopping uh, my preschooler in the dry bathtub 
with a can of vanilla frosting and a spoon. So she was perfectly fine and happy. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's talk. <laughs> and so uh, I just kind of answered all of her questions and I was over enthusiastic and I pitched myself. And at the time I had never been on TV and I'm like, sure, I can be on camera. You bet. And so that's what happened was, and so I would just suggest going for it. And the absolute worst case that happens is you get ignored, whatever. Move on to somebody else. I love where you're going with this, Stephanie, because there are people out there that they will ask for the moon. And in some cases, if you don't ask, you don't get. But in some, there are situations where maybe you shouldn't be asking because you don't have that connection. What's that balance where you're going for that opportunity, but you're not being over the top, if you know what I mean? myself pretty regularly through like the Harrow listings and different things. And sometimes I'm ignored and sometimes I land a nice feature. There are times when I have readers email me and ask me for, I don't know, like an editor at Real Simple's personal email address. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that for you. I'm like, this is what you do. You open the magazine and you look through in the beginning where it says all of the contributors and you start Googling the people's names and chances are you'll find an email address and then you email them. And it's, it's not rocket science. We all have phones in our pocket with a search engine. Find a way to make it happen. Yep. That's great. All right, Jimmy. Yeah. The uh, last finish this sentence. If you're deciding between self-publishing versus traditional publishing, some of the things you should think about are what your goals are. Are your goals to be on TV and on regular radio and in newspapers and magazines, or is your goal to make a lot of money? And unfortunately, it's not the same thing. You can make an awful lot of money self-publishing because you cut out the middleman. But many of the mainstream media won't touch you because probably because they're all owned by the same media conglomerate. And and so they back scratch each other. So it, it really depends on what your goal is. Mm. Right. But could that, that major media exposure, though, is kind of what led to where you are and hitting the list and building? Yes. So it, it really depends. I like talking to people and, and I'm not intimidated by TV, but some of my friends really are and they prefer to just write. And if that's what your gift is and that's what you want to do, don't feel bad if you can't get the um, interest of a major publisher Go ahead and do it yourself, because if you are successful on your own and then later you do want to be majorly published, you already have that credit on your resume and say, you know what? I already sold 7000 of these in two weeks all on my own. And that's interesting to publishers. So, Stephanie, you hit on it a little bit earlier, but and, and you mentioned this, but what? led to you to cook a slow cooker meal every day in 2008? And it was it literally every day? <laughs> it was every day. And it's funny because I was so brand new to blogging and I was completely self-taught that I didn't even understand the blogging software enough to know that I could cook and post ahead and have them auto post. So I got up at 4 a.m. to write every day and then pushed it live because I didn't know that I could work ahead. But the actual backstory is we had just moved back to the San Francisco area and I needed to work. 
and I began teaching preschool and I was very lucky in that the children could come to work with me. But the baby at the time kept getting sick. She was vomiting sporadically and we couldn't figure it out. So I quit. And (laughs) my husband wasn't all that pleased with that because we actually needed my income in order to pay the bills. So I should probably let you know that she's absolutely fine now. She, um, she, had, uh, she was diagnosed with celiac disease, which is an intolerance to gluten. And once we cut gluten from her diet, she is perfectly healthy and strong and probably the strongest in the house. But anyway, so she's fine. But because of that loss of income, I had this huge fire in my belly to find a legitimate way to work from home. And so I turned to blogging. And the reason I did the crock pot is because I had learned from my research about blogging that recipe sites are such a tightly focused niche that they rank really well in Google with the SEO. And so one night, I think coming home from a Christmas party and I probably had a little bit too much wine, I just started (laughs) saying like, oh, all these recipe sites are doing well and I should write that, but I don't even like cooking. I only like my crock pot. And so it just kind of all came together like that. Oprah would call it uh, the aha moment. And so that's what I did. And I chose to do a New Year's resolution because I wanted to force myself to write every day. And I wanted an end game. I didn't want to do this every day forever. Little did I know at the time that it it would be something that I want to do, but <laughs> every day forever. But at the time I wanted end in sight. Stephanie, I really appreciate you sharing that. that there's people that listen to the show. I mean, it's called Star of the Doubts. And they are in the midst of you know challenging situations that they're trying to navigate. What encouragement do you have to someone who's trying to find that aha moment and they just haven't hit it yet? I think to just keep thinking and marinating and, and listening to podcasts like this in the background while you're going about your day, while you're washing dishes or going for your walk with the dog, is I think listening to different entrepreneurs and different people share their story is kind of like chewing gum for the brain and gets it kind of juicy and motivated and the inspiration will come. And when it does, just go for it. I still have Blogspot in the URL of the Crockpot site, which now gets 15 to 20,000 people a day. And it's because I didn't want to spend any money. I wanted to prove to myself that I could start something from absolutely nothing. And maybe that was a doubt, but For me, it was more like I'm not going to spend anything unless I'm making something because we were already barely scraping by. I certainly wasn't going to invest in something that that might not work. And so that sort of bucks against all business advice. (laughs) But it, it did work for me. And it's worked for many of my friends as well to just go for it. And I think also a lot of times in this information age, People research and research and research and research, but then they never do anything. And so it's this analysis paralysis rather than just jumping in and figuring it out while you go along. Well, Stephanie, let me shift a little bit because I want to step back to this. You mentioned uh, that you cooked a meal every single day in 2008. So there had to be some things that just turned out horribly. Were there any that? Yes. Jimmy, do not, yeah, I made some really big mistakes, but I think what sets me apart as a food blogger is that I wasn't writing this glossified magazine image 
blog. I was sharing what worked and what didn't work. So I thought, you know, we're having a party and I like bacon wrapped scallops. Let's see if I can load up 60 bacon wrapped scallops in the crock pot. You can't. It's horrible. The bacon and the scallops make this disgusting gray film and it stunk up the house and I needed to like triple garbage bag it. It was horrible. I tried to do hard boiled eggs overnight to wake up to hard boiled eggs. And that was a really bad mistake. They turned green. But I shared that with my readers and they appreciated it. And they like knowing that behind the couch that looks really nice with the fluffy pillows is the basket of unfolded laundry because this is real life. It's not a magazine and readers appreciate that. They appreciate the vulnerability and they appreciate knowing that you're just a normal person trying to get through your day. Stephanie, I have a confession. Okay. I am not a very good cook. And part of that is because I haven't invested the time that I need to be better at that. And so Crock-Pot, that kind of intimidates me a little bit. So what advice oh. do you have for me or for people like me who want to get started? But, eh, you know, I don't even know where to begin. Oh, Jared, you're looking at it all wrong. The Crock-Pot is for people who can't cook. <laughs> it's wonderful. I am not a very good traditional cook. I am absent-minded and I'm forgetful, and I have three children, so I'm constantly multitasking. So I regularly wander away from the stovetop and from the oven, and everything comes back burnt to a crisp. But with the crock pot, you put it all in in the morning, and then you're free to go about your day. And it's just literally foolproof. You taste it near the end of cooking time, and you're like, hmm, I think it needs more salt. So you put in a little bit more salt and stir it around, and it's just... Not a big deal. And I would highly recommend it for new or novice cooks. And because everything cooks in sort of this slow way, there's so much wiggle room to test and and to poke and to prod at it. And and sometimes it's funny on Food Network and they talk about how your onions need to be cut in uniform size so they all cook evenly. Well, that's just not the case in the crock pot. (laughs) Who cares? Just (laughs) hack that puppy up and throw it in. You know, I just had this thought, Stephanie, for some people that are pursuing this online business or entrepreneurship, that takes a lot of time. Could you compare that pursuit of entrepreneurship online or small business to a crockpot? (laughs) The slow and steady simmer approach. Sort of. I think so. I have always been a, a slow and steady wins the race kind of person. And I'm perfectly happy to be an underdog in most things. So, yes. I would do that versus like someone who comes in with a blowtorch. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Great things take time. That's All right. right. So I guess as we begin to wrap up, Stephanie, I have to admit to you, I love the fact that you're sharing your giving people a backstage look at the things that don't work out. And I think that's what the connection is. As you're doing that, I know there's got to be people that are inspiring you. Who is there somebody out there in particular that's doing something that interests you? I'm very interested in the multiple streams of income right now and the different ways. I think a lot of people who have blogs and websites are realizing that the money that was in banner ads isn't necessarily there right now. So I'm interested in in learning different things. And then from a food arena, what inspires me is just going to the library and checking out as many different books as I can and watching Food Network and different things and thinking, well, gosh, they made this Indian dish. Is there a way that I could crockpot it? And so I use crockpot as a verb. So I'm like, oh, I could totally crockpot that. And, and that's how I, I look at food. Awesome. And Stephanie, what's the best place for the listeners to connect with you online? 
My online home is stephanieoday.com, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-O-D-E-A.com. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook, and I do answer Facebook and Twitter requests and queries as well. Stephanie, what's coming up for you this year? This year, well, we're planning a camping trip, and I camp with my crock pot. (laughs) (laughs) Really? So, So right now, we're looking into driving down the California coast with the kids and camping along the way. And I like those KOA campgrounds because they're really clean and uh, family-friendly, and they all have swimming pools, and my kids don't seem to think it's vacation unless there's a swimming pool. But I bring I bring the crockpots along with me so we can go and hike and have fun and, and come home at the end to a fully cooked dinner. It's great. <laughs> we that still roast new... marshmallows because we're not purists. But... <laughs> but that could be a new crockpot book, like, you know, campground crockpot. Yeah. <laughs> That's very niche, though. All right, so Stephanie, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? My suggestion for anyone who has any sort of website idea or entrepreneurial idea is to go for it and search around and see if the domain names exist. And if they do, buy them. And um, I just recently launched a gluten-free search engine, and the URL for that is glutenfreesearchengine.com. And it's because my 10-year-old, who she's now 10, she's the one who has celiac, she wanted to make some sort of like frosted vanilla cupcakes. And I was gardening in the backyard and she came out and she said, I want to make this and that. I think we have the ingredients. And so I said, okay, we'll Google it. Well, she Googled frosted vanilla cupcakes or something. And the stuff that came out was not appropriate for a 10-year-old. And I thought, okay, (laughs) let's see if we can streamline this a bit. So then I realized, you know, I like how you can do these custom Google searches. So we worked with a site designer, my friend Jeanette, and did a custom gluten-free search engine. So it's hand-selected websites that are completely gluten-free. So anything you can think of, you can type in, and there's an already gluten-free version of it, and it's completely PG. We encourage that. <laughs> Stephanie, we, we really appreciate your time. We're looking forward to hearing about these camping trips and the crockpot meals. Is there anything that you want to uh, add in terms of upcoming stuff? I know you mentioned the, the camping and stuff. Anything else no, going on? You know, the Mommy Blogger book is the first in a series. And it's kind of a play on Thomas Stanley's The Millionaire Next Door. And so I've called it The Mommy Blogger Next Door. If any of your listeners are mommy bloggers and they have their own success story and they'd like to be featured, I'd love to hear from them. Absolutely. Well, Stephanie, we appreciate your time and uh, best wishes to you and the family and everything you have going on. Thank you very much, boys. You have a good day. Just keep thinking and marinating and listening to podcasts like this in the background while you're going about your day, while you're washing dishes or going for your walk with the dog. Because I think listening to different entrepreneurs and different people share their story is kind of like chewing gum for the brain and gets it kind of juicy and motivated. And the inspiration will come. And when it does, just go for it. 